You're listening to Grindhouse Courthouse. We put movies on trial to determine whether or not a film has committed too many movie misdemeanors to be considered viewable. Please rise for the Honorable Judge this episode. Beloved viewers, I have something super important to tell you. We watched Kate and Leopold, 2001, James Mangold. He directed it. Oh, it was good. We're going to talk about it for the next hour now. So let's get into it. Tom, what did you think? Oh, Kate and Leopold changed my life. I mean, I didn't know it was possible to go into a movie one way and exit another way. But I now think rom-coms are like worthy expressions of artistic uh, integrity. Uh, I think that Meg Ryan's career should have just shot off after this. Uh, Kate and Leopold sucks. It's, it's not a good film. I did not enjoy it. I don't think anybody should watch it. Anyways, thanks for coming to this episode of Grindhouse Courthouse. Uh, it was great. Thanks for everybody uh, sticking right. together. No, but actually, beloved viewers, we have some guest speakers, hosts. Yeah. Participants. Uh, participants. People. My wife. Hello. Stephanie. <laughs> Hi. And Anastasia. Say hello, Anastasia. Hi. All right. Women. See, we're not just... You got girls for the rom-com. Yeah. yeah. We we thought we would add a little bit of spice and a little bit different perspective for this movie. So, gals, what'd you guys think? It was a poor film. <laughs> it's like, it also wasn't, it wasn't even bad enough to really, like, laugh at. You were just sort of sad about its badness. <laughs> it's the worst kind of bad film. You were just yeah, bored. Like, you're yeah. just bummed out that it sucks. And when they tried to be funny, it was cringy and like you weren't even sure if that's what they were trying to do and like the romance i didn't care at all about yeah you you didn't really feel the romance it was all quite artificial it was like everyone was just kind of moving through the motions and that was kind of it very yeah. is it safe to say it's harvey weinstein's view of romance <laughs> yeah actually actually and that's what i was thinking i was like wow i wonder if this is like harvey weinstein thinks of romantic things or like how women are right <laughs> or how like women trying to be successful are like this woman will jump off of a bridge to be with this man she's known for a weekend to live in a different <laughs> era because men are that great listen ladies <laughs> without her family listen there may have been a plot about a sexy executive trying to woo his attractive female colleague and maybe he was <laughs> redeemed in the end completely to not have to address those issues consequence free. yeah and maybe the lady jumped off the bridge and abandoned her brother and assumingly parents forever for the sake of a man she met for two weeks but is that one week irrational I think not. All right, we're going to move on. <laughs> Maybe we should get into the plot. We're going to welcome Matt and Adam to the podcast. Matt, Woo. say hi. Hello. Adam, remain silent. I'm here today. Okay. <laughs> we're going to move right into the plot. Matt, I think I want you to help set up this whole plot. Oh, my God. In quotation marks. The plot. Okay, so the plot, the, generally the plot is that Liv Schreiber is an amateur time traveler. Physicist, yeah. Physicist, I don't know. <laughs> Scientist does it on the weekend. Really simple. It's not clear what his he, job is actually, but he no. finds he had an oscilloscope in his apartment. So I think we know, like, he knows a little something about physics and time travel, right? He knows some. He goes. He goes on a long diatribe later about the speed of gravity. So we know he knows what he's talking about. But his notes were handwritten with colored pencil on a piece of paper. So not. It might have been crayon. So this guy discovers. I don't know if he discovers it through calculations or just experiment, but there is a portal if you jump off a certain part of the Brooklyn Bridge that sends you back to a specific time in 1876 in New York. So I don't know if he just jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge like 20,000 times until he found that specific spot <laughs> and that's that's where the portal was. No, it was all just coincidence. He was trying to kill himself and he just jumped <laughs> off once and he went back in time and he went, well... What a quinky dink. This is old timey. <laughs> so we, well, I mean, not to jump ahead too far, but he breaks his arm at one point in the movie. And then uh, rather than the hospital treating his broken arm, they commit him to an insane asylum. So <laughs> that theory holds water. <laughs> so, so so he used pencil and paper for all his notes. Like, is there actually no computers shown in this movie? No, no, no. He had a computer. They were looking stuff up when they were revealing the photos at the very end. But I don't think the internet 
technology is touched in this movie. This is just a basic 2001 movie. Yeah, they, yeah. they stay away from it. So I feel like the internet that. alone would have blown his mind. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so the point, so Stuart goes back to 1876. And it's unclear. Actually, so after some internet sleuthing, we discover that he goes back to see his great, 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 some, some number of great grandfather, who is Leopold, the Duke of Albany. And then by some circumstance, he brings him back to modern 2001 New York, just goes back through the portal. And of course, this is, this is Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman is charming as fuck. And he charms Meg Ryan. <laughs> and then they fall in love. And Meg Ryan goes back through the portal with him after a week to 1876 to be happily married and have a bunch of children, one of whom is Stuart, her great-great-grandson. Allegedly. Who they actually, who we actually had a long-term, physical, intimate, incestual relationship. There we go. <laughs> and that there is the go. key point of this movie. <laughs> Incest. It's back. Ladies and gentlemen, and that's how... Immediately after watching this movie, we were led directly to the incest chart. It's a thing on Wikipedia <laughs> that gives you a basic checkmark or X diagram of whether or not a country has incest laws on the books. You know, for fucking incest guys who are like, well, what if I go to Thailand? Oh, gotta check my chart. Gotta check my chart. <laughs> If you want to bang your sister, South Korea is where you need to be. <laughs> also, South Korea has no Just... incest laws on the books. Uh, so all you incest listeners, you're good to go. South Korea, that's where you want to be. <laughs> okay, so so basically Matt summed up the plot in five seconds because it's a stupid plot and it takes five seconds to summarize. But there's a lot of the nuance that's been missed. So, Tom, can you please <laughs> summarize how time travel works? In this movie? So as previously noted, uh, there's only one man on the face of the planet who knows how time travel works. And it's a guy who does all of his important work in crayons, colored pencils. <laughs> uh, Thank you. You know, it's it's really intense, really, uh, you know, high flying stuff here. You fling yourself off a bridge. You reach the required speed. They don't say 88 miles per hour, but we've all seen the greatest time travel movie of all time, Back to the Future 3. <laughs> we all know about that. I don't need to talk about it here. We'll do that next episode. But the thing is, is uh, it only takes you to a specific point and then also um, sends you back to the same point as well. I don't know. That's, that's not uh, that's not really explained. The movie's not too concerned with that. But somehow they somehow they go through the portal. They 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 hit the water, I guess. But it's not clear, like where it spits them out either. Like, do they also just land in the water in a different time and then they have that's to crawl over the river? Funny. Let's go with that. Funny. Are they ever wet, though? No, yeah, Meg Ryan is not wet at the very end because she's wearing her fancy dress when she right. meets Leopold. With her pin-straight hair. Yeah, Meg, but we, we have to talk about how all the unfortunate ways that Meg Ryan looks in this movie. <laughs> she must have made everybody working on that set incredibly angry. Like, the, the hairstylist were like, she was just a real bitch, the hairstylist. She's like, I'll show you. I'll give you, I'll give you a real good haircut now. And then the, I think that well, haircut, I think that haircut is like a quintessential 2001 haircut with like the straightened hair with like the weird frosted tips. No, like super well, I mean, layers. men frosted tips. Yeah, the yeah. yeah, exactly. The shitty layers. I mean, how I do don't know what year it was from. And I guess 2000 based on her haircut. So. Can you, can you <laughs> yeah. describe how you achieve Meg Ryan's hair? Like, how do you actually do it? See, that's the crazy thing. Is like, we all still straighten our hair, but it don't look like that. Like, it's because of the way it's cut. It just sticks out almost. Like, but it's flat and also has sideways volume. It's very bad. I would and, describe it as like a simple jack kind of haircut. <laughs> instead you know? of, instead <laughs> of taking your straightener and going straight down, it was like they went straight down and then out a little bit. Yeah. Or really fast. Or they were like, oh shit, we got your hair straight. That, 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 and like did a really messy job. Okay, so picture that hair. And then Meg Ryan has a weird thing about her legs, I think, because she wore the frumpiest, baggiest <laughs> pants throughout this movie. Like, I remember the 2000s. Women did not wear pants like that. They were men's baggy pants yeah. or XXL. like a full length dress the whole movie. And also she wore Morpheus sunglasses. No one can convince <laughs> me otherwise that she was not wearing Morpheus sunglasses. This came out right after The Matrix. So when every single movie had to have Matrix like costumes, Matrix glasses. Yeah, there's some influence. Leather dusters. I'm amazed there wasn't a bullet time sequence in this movie. That's how much she looked like Morpheus. 
Would that have saved this movie? <laughs> no, it made it worse. I, I, I think it might have improved it. Maybe. Definitely. What would have saved this movie? Not men writing it. <laughs> the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis directing it. Okay, so let's let's get into the meat of this movie. So we got the basic plot. Liv Schreiber tries to kill himself, fails, jumps through a time portal, winds up in 1876. And basically, inexplicably, this English lord, who's the lord of Albany, by the way, Albany, New York, he's a fucking English lord of New York, so let that sink in for a minute, is overseeing the construction of the Brooklyn Bridge or something. Mm -hmm. And basically, all the Victorian women want to fucking bang this guy. He's literally just standing there and they're all like, oh, my lord. (laughs) (laughs) And he catches Liv Schreiber taking pictures. And like a normal guy, he fucking chases Liv Schreiber through the entire city, (laughs) fails to catch him, goes Mm -hmm. to a party at his uncle's English mansion, again, in New York. Oh, my Lord, we have a party. (laughs) And this man has a fucking marble straight in his mouth. This guy has the most English of English accents you've ever heard. And he sees who guessed it. Liv Schreiber again. Liv Schreiber's just walking around and like a normal guy chases this man throughout his house, (laughs) gets on a horse, rides after him and they get transported back in time because they both jump off the bridge. Accidents happen and they fall into the year 2001. That's right. Just after the Matrix. Like the Matrix had just come out. That's the world we're living in. Let's back up. How did Liv get into the house? Because we find out later at the end of the movie when she, uh, Meg Ryan tries to get in the house, she's stopped by two gentlemen asking for her invitation. He has the incredible ability that the movie never really touches on to just blend into any situation. Uh, they've got him full frame and he's just twirling in place and staring at the <laughs> ceiling and nobody notices him. He's the most inconspicuous human. Well, he also has this magical ability of being a man. In the 1800s, so he could just go wherever he wants. That's why she. That's why Meg Ryan got stopped. My lord. Hmm, quite. Yeah. Women are not people then. Yeah. And remember, Meg Ryan gives up the right to vote for this. Yeah. So she gives up a lot. So wait, put yourself into Hughes' uh, shoes back in the day. Like, you turn around, you see a guy like clicking something. Do you like full out chase him because of that one thing? Oh, yeah. I fucking kill him. I kill yeah. him to find out this information. <laughs> But the thing is, Hugh Jackman is just a curious individual in this movie. And that's what you get with those five minutes of them being in 1876. Because Hugh Jackman is an inventor. He's curious about everything. He wants to understand how things work. Such as going from one floor of a building to another floor of the building. That's right. Leopold is the inventor of elevators. And that is key for this movie to work. Yeah, I like how he specifically said that people will get too tired to climb stairs. They had to invent something to lift them. Oh my God. This is critical information for the movie, people. Yeah. And also for time travel. Okay. <laughs> so, Leopold is transported to the future with Liv Schreiber. He's in Liv Schreiber's fucking sprawling New York apartment. Of course. Of course, oh, this New York apartment is like a thousand square feet right in the center of Manhattan <laughs> for an amateur time traveler (laughs) no clue how this man makes money his neighbor is like a high-powered executive at an advertisement firm okay that makes sense yeah right yeah yeah he jumps off bridges that's the only obvious (laughs) employment thing he does i think i think i figured out i think since he's the great 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 son of a duke he just inherited a lot of money Actually, that's valid. Like, Ooh, that could be that That's like the only cash. way you think he has And the money. guy who invented elevators. Yeah. Yeah, so he's just making Every time one of us rides an elevator, he gets a penny. <laughs> <laughs> that answer, I'll tell you. Filthy rich. Yeah, yeah that, that does track. A lot of uh, time travel researchers are independently wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we solved that. Well done. Okay. So, anyway, Leopold's chilling there. And then we meet the most important character of this movie. Other than Leopold. Kate's brother, the doofy little dork. <laughs> what the hell is his name? Charles. Uh, Charlie. Charlie. Charlie McKay. Played yeah. by Brecken Meyer. Brecken Meyer. That's right. Okay. So think of any role Brecken Meyer's ever been in. And that's this role. And that's his role in this movie. I'm kidding. We meet With Frosty Kate. Tips. Yeah. And he's got Frost. Oh, 
God, they're just tips frosted. They're so frosted. Okay, but but seriously, we meet Kate, and this is a world because there's no elevators. Everyone moves up and down on the fire escape. So everyone enters the apartment through the window. This is the weirdest New York apartment you've ever seen. So everyone goes up and down the fire escape and enters the window, and children are left in this guy's apartment. Remember, this this man that is weird. This man is a apparently jobless inventor it's it's the most unthinkably ridiculous plot about like an apartment that you've ever seen but i'm getting beside myself okay ran it in <laughs> meg ryan used to date the inventor and there's like as like most rom-coms there's no like lingering you know love you know like that the inventor's like oh i wish i didn't lose her or anything like that he's just like a hundred percent on board for this new guy he found to fuck his ex-girlfriend. No, that's opposite <laughs> of normal rom-coms. Normal rom-coms have this dynamic, and then they like go back to the original guy, and they you know find their old romance or something, just and, for the new guy to come in and be the hot new guy, and then like that's just the guy she ends up with is not normally the way these go. It's too oh. lame. Oh, okay. especially I think it's the like problem your is though is that live or whatever great great yeah. great 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 grandfather. That you want your ex to fuck? Is that right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Although we discovered oh, okay. there is a line. So we discovered that they basically their relationship is scorched earth because there is this, this exchange where Meg Ryan says to Liv Schreiber, I wasted my best years on you. And then he responds, those were your best years, which is a <laughs> savage comeback. <laughs> like in this entire movie, there's no chance for him to come back. Because he's in a mental hospital the entire movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. And why is no. he there? He's in a <laughs> okay, okay. So here's the important thing about time travel. When you take the man who invented elevators into the future, they still apparently built all the buildings with elevator shafts in them. <laughs> it's just the elevators aren't there or aren't working. I think that the elevator is at the bottom of the shaft. Everyone else believes the elevator is gone. Yeah. Uh, viewers, please write in and tell us who is right. But... <laughs> The important thing is, Leave Schreiber uh, basically just falls down an open elevator shaft and uh, breaks his leg and his arm and goes to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Adam, you're going to explain why they built buildings with elevator shafts, even the, despite the fact that <laughs> elevators were never invented because Leopold invented the elevator. Go, and if you don't solve this, you're off the podcast. <laughs> within, within five minutes. They just don't exist. They just, they, they blipped out of existence once Hugh Jackman is now brought to the future. That's the thing. So the concept of elevators still exists. Everybody remembers elevators, but the physical structure of them is now gone. So it's like once Hugh Jackman was removed, no one else from that point of 1876 thought of the idea of a box that went up and down between stories. No, I got that's shaking his head. I've got, I've got something that's going to blow this whole movie wide open. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I don't know if I can take this. I don't know if I get this whole thing hinges. That he invented elevators, and if he comes back and goes forward in time, then the elevators don't exist. You know when yeah. elevators were actually invented? Oh, God. <laughs> 1853. Before this, <laughs> elevators already existed. Oh, fuck. Our friend Otis already invented them. Are you saying they didn't do their research? <laughs> this movie is a fraud. That That's pretty funny. I find it impossible that a guy named Mangold didn't do his due diligence <laughs> And look up when elevators were invented. Are you sure it wasn't just the shaft that was invented back then? And yeah. he did, in fact, invent the box in 1876. Hold on, hold on. I got it. I got the page open right here. Hold on. He's calculating. I'm calculating. Yeah, this is this is this is, this is showing the consequences of time travel. But this is the only consequence this movie portrays: is that elevator boxes may not exist. So if Hugh was to stay any longer. What happens? There's no there's no real conflict with that, though. But I he does need to get back. I love the concept of the elevator shaft and the elevator box having to be invented separately. <laughs> so that's like they built hundreds of buildings for 20 years with like, why do we keep building these fucking shafts? I think it'll be I, good, though. I think someone will think of something. Hey, man, every day they're inventing new things. You yeah. never know. Yeah, but this is like prime real estate. Like, why do we keep building these shafts? They could put anything in there. They could put anything in there. It could be a garbage chute. It could be a suicide shaft. Laundry? <laughs> and well, it that's... took one handsome Duke of Albany <laughs> to come up with a great idea. 
got they got a box. My lord. <laughs> yeah, why actually that's a good point. Why did Leopold have to go back? So we would have elevators again, I guess. Why did he want to go back though? <laughs> I think it was specifically for the butterfly effect, but But there's none of that though. We don't we don't get it's any other consequences. Margarine tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> because he realized that that chick that he was trying to like put the moves on and bang in a week, uh, like wasn't probably gonna pan out. So he's like, ah, fuck it, I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he left. And then she chased well, also, after him through time. Inventor guy certainly wanted him to go back so he wouldn't cease to exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's key. Okay, so th- this relationship is not equal and they never even discuss the positives and negatives of like why don't you stay here versus why don't I go back? Like the argument was well there was no argument. It's basically like Leopold, if I fucking go back, I don't I don't have the right to vote anymore. And he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, but I feel better back then. <laughs> but yeah, there's no conversation. There's no back to the future moment where Marty's looking at the photo and his family's like disintegrating. We don't have that in this movie. There's no, again, no, no consequences for Leopold being in the future, but he just right. needs to get back except, because movie needs to happen. That elevators don't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. And I would argue that like he fits much better in the future in the 2000, in 2001 than he does in 1876. He's already got this like pretentious hipster thing down. He's talking yep. about his time at the Louvre. <laughs> He's regurgitating lines from his favorite French operas. He fixed toast. <laughs> he fixed toast. By the way, he goes on this, one of the major like plot points, the impasses of this film is he like, the, the boss is trying to hit on Meg Ryan, the Harvey Weinstein character. And he says La Boheme <laughs> is his favorite opera ever. Then Hugh Jackman says all these lines from La Boheme. You guys want to know when La Boheme was written? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. No, don't ruin it for me. I love Jane Leopold. Oh my God, just do it. What it, is was, it? it was written like 20 years after he came back to the future. He wouldn't have known it. <laughs> this movie is a fraud. I said it again. Your Max has failed us. There are so many fucking operas that Mangold could have chosen. He's like, no, let's pick La Boheme. It's like, why? Like... For sure, Beethoven. Well, I guess that's an opera, but like anything, any, could have like, been the thing. it would have been so easy to pick an opera that was in <laughs> existence in 1876, and he picked the one that wasn't. Why? Why? <laughs> it's ridiculous. This movie sucks. I think he didn't try very hard on this maybe, film. Maybe he thought. Maybe he thought that that was going to be one that people would know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Should have just picked like a Broadway show. Like, uh, sir, that line is not in Rent. And then he like sings like I'm going out tonight by <laughs> ten thousand or whatever oh that, that that five fifty thousand minutes or whatever the heck that freaking song is. <laughs> oh my god! All right, we got to get back on track. Okay, so so Leopold shows up in the future. He meets Meg Ryan's weirdly ironed hair and baggy pants because she doesn't like her. And we find out that yes, Meg Ryan has injected some weird stuff into her lips at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, we are past cute Meg Ryan. We are in Meg Ryan just trying to hang on to this rom-com career, and it's fucking obvious. Describe her lips, Stephanie. (laughs) Puffy side upper lip. Like, the, the sides of her upper lips are puffy, but it's not, like, even... It's just not a good look. I mean, maybe it's, she got a lip flip. Yeah, it's like a pencil stash. It looks like a pencil stash in most of the lighting in the film. Very flattering, <laughs> but it's her lips. I feel like someone like like her publicist probably was like, "Meg, your lips are what get you these jobs," and she's like, "Yes, that is true. Let me fuck them up." And like, <laughs> it's just the weird thing about this. Besides her lips, it's like she just like she was so charming in like you've got mail and when Harry met Sally. And that just is gone. I don't know why it is absent in this film, but like she just has none of her normal charm as like a leading romantic character. Meg Ryan is. I blame the writers. Yeah. (laughs) Because they wrote her as a powerfully unlikable character. Yeah. And it's written by a bunch of dudes. Like I don't know who wrote like the other two, but it was just like these guys were like, this is for sure what women will like. And then She's just empowered. like wrote stuff, yeah. And and women who are su- who want to be successful and like get a career, they're going to be like really abrasive and out of touch. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing: the director wasn't woman gold. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wrap it up. I'm just seeing myself out. <laughs> but that is one ma- well, like major problem of this movie is that Meg Ryan is just not likable at all in this film where they're trying to portray her as a career woman where she's out to get this goal of what is it? Head honcho of New York media. I believe that's the title she's aiming for. Senior vice president. That's the title at the end of the movie. And the important thing to remember. As opposed to junior vice president. As as a career woman, she fails in every aspect of what she's supposed to do as a job and still gets this promotion. So She didn't even fuck her boss. She didn't fuck her boss. (laughs) Which, remember, this is a Weinstein production. So she didn't fuck her boss. And her boss is like, well, I respect that. And then she hires Leopold to advertise shitty margarine and he fucking storms off set so that commercial never gets made and then the boss is like the the same boss who she won't fuck is like I'm gonna make you CEO (laughs) (laughs) see that's why he's the good guy in the end he's totally redeemed right Weinstein probably saw the script and he's like no make him the good guy that doesn't make any fucking sense Mr. Weinstein make him the good guy Okay. <laughs> and then she gave it all away to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge back into time and give away all of her voting and divorce rights. She did it for love. <laughs> she, she did it for She's dysentery. Really taking, yeah. <laughs> taking a real big chance there. Divorce was like a thing, but it wasn't like common. <laughs> oh, she was trapped in that marriage. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome to 1876. You will be pregnant for the next 20 years. Actually, oh my lord. My she lord. didn't do it for love, really. What did she do? She did it because of the picture. And then, like, oh, you have to go back because it's, it's part of the future or some bullshit like that. She, that was like oh, the key yeah. defining reason she went. She <laughs> That's actually weird. Yeah. They showed her the picture. Yeah. So Liv, Liv Schreiber gets, he's, he's escapes from the mental hospital that he's in. They just kind of stashed him <laughs> there so they didn't have to deal with him for the whole movie. He escapes for some reason and he shows her these photos that he took from 1876 and she's actually in the background. And that's what convinces her, I guess that she belongs there. And that's why yeah, I think so. she jumps off a bridge. Okay. We're going to shoot this back to Adam. Adam, <laughs> is this time travel? How does this work? Because it seems that all of this time travel appears to be inevitable. It's the kind of time travel where like, it doesn't matter what you choose to do because everything has already happened. Pretzels. It's like a closed loop system. Whenever, How does this relate to pretzels? It's, yeah, it's the <laughs> oh yeah, there's just one line at the very end where uh, Sabretooth is trying to explain the physics behind time travel and he just says, oh, I've been thinking about this all wrong. It's just a pretzel. Everything's... It's a cosmetic four-dimensional pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> it's twisty, windy. It's all over the place. So this is how it has to happen. Like they really had to shoehorn it though to make it work that they had to leave and come back to the exact specific moment. That doesn't actually make sense. No. No at all. It right? doesn't make because because I think we're led to believe that Liv Shriver has made this journey. He he's gone back in time several times before that he kind of knows the mechanics of it and when the portal opens, etc. So. so he know yeah. he would know that you can just go like the portal opens and closes over and over every week, I guess. So he knows yes. you can just wait till next week. She can get her promotion. And do the speech or whatever, and then just go back in a week <laughs> oh, to the same she time. She totally and just leave. Yeah. And like, what's so special about this moment in the past that if they're ever time traveling, like that's where you end up? It's when they invented the box that goes inside the elevator shaft. That's cool. Civilization hinges on this. <laughs> the box on a string. <laughs> okay, so back to the picture. How was she in the picture? When she's never been back in time until that's after what I was trying to get to see the picture. Because everything that's happened has already happened. So she was there in every version of it, I guess. Yes. Dave, time is a pretzel, okay? Fucking pretzel. <laughs> fucking pretzel. I can't explain this it's any clearer. It's not a cinnamon bun, jeez. Yeah, we're not talking about time, a cosmetic four-dimensional cinnamon bun. You fucking idiot. It's obviously a pretzel. Therefore, ergo... Vis-a-vis. Concordantly. She dare. She dare. She dare. <laughs> Wouldn't Stuart recognize her, though, when he was taking photos back then? Yes. That is stupid, yeah. He was too busy being uh, delightfully absent-minded and staring at the ceiling. Feels <laughs> 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 so bad for him in this movie. <laughs> they literally just had to ship him off 
out of the plot. They're like, oh, what the fuck do we do with this guy? Is this going to like let this dude fuck his ex-girlfriend? No. Put him in prison. They Put him in a chair. They also didn't address it for a while. So you thought he just might have died oh, in the yeah. elevator shaft? Yeah. And like did, did we explain how he got hurt? Yeah, he falls down in the open elevator shaft. Yeah, did we explain okay. that, though? We'll explain it, Dave. Oh, because uh, Hugh Jackman came to the future, so no more elevators. So when he opened the elevator, he like blindly walked into it without even looking. Right, so, so, oh, wait, wait. so there's no more elevator shafts, right, Dave? No elevator boxes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so they've forgotten that elevators exist, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the, the con- weirdest part. Yeah. This whole Concept movie doesn't make still. sense with this time travel bullshit. <laughs> All right, Matt, f- physics this out for us. I I can't. What's even... the deal with elevators in this movie? I, I don't. It's just it's bizarre. It's just it's just a lazy plot device to get rid of Liv Schreiber. That's all. They just like we can't have this that's guy around, plot. and we just send him out there. Yeah, and then like in the meantime. Meg Ryan has been working on like the 40th floor of this high rise and just every day for the whole week, she just walks up 40 floors. Maybe that's why she's just such an irritable grump the entire movie because she's she tired. Takes up stairs. Everybody's though. tired. That's why her hair looks so bad. Yeah. She's been sweating in it the whole, the whole time and it just like washed all the product out and it just looks like a mess. It's greasy and sticks out. What was good about this movie? <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Hugh ja- Hugh okay. Jackman. Hugh, we can Hugh agree Jackson, that yes. Hugh Jackman is, is charming as hell. I would actually yeah. prefer to watch a movie that was just an hour. Actually, this is two out. This whole movie is two hours long. But I would watch two hours of him just interacting with devices and inventions that are like foreign to him. Because he's just, just like him exploring New York in the year two thousand. He's just exploring, like seeing how toasters work, being astonished by el- by telephones and disposable razors and stuff. By the way, all things that would have existed in eighteen seventy six. I looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he deals with being in the future pretty well in a very quick, quick time period. Yeah, he has a very calmly first day. He's very calm. The only confrontation he has really is when he's forced to pick up the poop. Oh, that's true. No, he (laughs) he gets into an argument with the guy from West Wing. Yeah. Oh, does he? Harvey Weinstein proxy. (laughs) Yeah, he calls that's that's the other. This is the weird like rom com mechanic that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because like they're so Harvey Weinstein played by. Bradley Whitford. He's, he's not actually Harvey Weinstein, but it's essentially him. There, He's at dinner with Meg Ryan, and he's propositioning her, essentially. And then Hugh Jackman shows up and tells him off. He calls him uh, a serpentine cad, cad. And a braggart and all this other kind of old, old-timey old insults. And then Meg Ryan Which is... Which is basically call him a motherfucking piece of shit in 1876 language. <laughs> and he's correct. Yeah. This, is the, this is the correct approach. And then Meg Ryan is pissed at Hugh Jackman... I was totally going to sleep with my boss and get that promotion and you ruined everything. And that's why she's mad at him. Yes. But that quickly turns, right? Like, well, he's he smooths it over with a hand and letter. Yeah. Beautiful. He even starts a sentence with ands in it. It's just (laughs) chef's kiss. Yeah. Here's a a question for Steph and Anastasia. Would you be wooed if, if either of your partners sent a handwritten note to you at work? With all these sentences starting with prepositions, <laughs> mm, no. hard pass. I mean, it depends. It depends. It depends. Actually, no. I'd probably be <laughs> straight up. It also was three sentences long, and her secretary was like, "This is the best apology note written in the history of time." Yeah, yeah it was like handwritten. Sort of so, dramatic. like, because it's in cursive writing. Okay, so the, like some romantic element there. The, the letter wouldn't do it for you, but what if your partner steals a horse, hunts down a thief that just stole your purse through Central Park, and uh, throws you on the back of that horse while you're chasing chasing this? Yeah, that'll there. do Would it. Would that yeah, do it? Sure. Yeah, yeah just sure. the pure adrenaline. Yeah, that'd rush. be pretty impressive. Okay, yeah. okay, so that's a point for Hugh Jackman then. What about going to a rooftop? So the rooftop of your building, not taking the elevator though, because you have to take. <laughs> The fire exit going to the rooftop and having i don't was it an exotic meal i don't know what they had i think they had just like spaghettios on top of the roof <laughs> while a violinist was playing and i think he was up there five hours and just hated everything it but, was definitely uh, chef boyardee yeah <laughs> <laughs> because Leop- this is so leopold is in the future he doesn't have money he doesn't have a credit card. How is he getting all of these things? That violinist was a homeless that violinist. Man. That violinist was like just some homeless guy playing violin on the street that he was like, hey, you want to come do this gig? 
I'll give you some chef boyardee. He probably <laughs> charmed the shit out of him. That's probably how he oh, got okay. him up there. That's what that's that is believable, yeah. yeah. My good man, I will pay you in exposure. <laughs> <laughs> he learned so quickly about how the future works. <laughs> I'll give you the greatest payment you could ever receive. Appreciation. <laughs> I'm fucking starving, please give me some of that Chef Boyardee I feel like the rooftop thing is like a very classic like rom-com There's always also an incredible number of candles and I always get stuck thinking about just how long it would take to set up and light like 300 <laughs> candles but that's Well, and because you're on the rooftop, they'd probably keep blowing out like, I that's feel like so it's windy up there It'd be a constant job <laughs> Well, yeah. see, I don't think she was really wooed until he uh, caught her. Like, she's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm going to clean up these plates. And he's like, no, put those plates down and dance with me. Then she was like, say, hey, I'm into this. Okay, but we're all we're, no, all, we're just... all glossing over the most important part of this. So he's in Central Park. He's next to the little horse-drawn carriages. And he's like, why don't we take this? And she's like, shut the fuck up. We're going to take a taxi. And he's, and then she gets her purse stolen. Okay. That's when he steals or just asks one of these guys. It happens off camera. It happens yeah. off we camera. We don't know. We don't know. But he comes ripping down Central Park right past where Elfet was propositioned by Doofy. <laughs> <laughs> and she catches this guy. And all this shit happens. So very impressive. But then... Mangold, the director's like, no, it's not enough. We need to emphasize that he's a great equestrian. And so he brings the horse back to show that he's not stealing the horse, that he, he's he got respect for proprietary rights. So he brings the horse back to the to the um, carriage driver, and we get some fucking great pieces of dialogue because this, <laughs> this driver goes, Hey, Toots, your husband, he's a great fucking rider. <laughs> yeah, and I know. I run the stables up in Yonkers. <laughs> yeah, those stables. And he's a great rider. And we're supposed to just like understand that this fucking like greasy New Yorker just knows anything about horses. And you're like, dude, you fucking were like homeless two weeks ago. Like, we don't believe you. We don't believe you know anything about. You basically just like click and then the horse pulls ahead. Did I black out or leave the room during this part? Uh, I don't know how you don't know this because we've, we've practiced this joke for like a lot. So um... <laughs> anyway. This also reminds me that still up until this point. Kate thinks that he's not actually from the past. So she's just like apparently falling in love with this guy who thinks he's from the past and she just is okay with him being sort of a nut job. Well, her ex-boyfriend is currently in a mental hospital, so she obviously got a type. <laughs> True, actually. That, okay, that checks out. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think Meg Ryan's, the bar has been lowered so much by the previous guys that she was dating. She'll just take anything and anything's an improvement, which you get Hugh Jackman in this. Yeah. Okay, so now now we've gotten to this point. They're starting to fall in love. Enter Meg Ryan's brother, the most important <laughs> character in this movie. Much like everyone else, he appears from the fire escape through the window because that's the only way people move in and out of scene in this movie. And he drops in and he's like, uh, hey, uh, who are you? And Leopold's like, I am Leopold, Duke of Albany, because somehow English titles mean something in New York in this universe. Anyway, dude, I'm going to this party tonight, and uh, it'd be pretty sweet if you came along. Leo. Leo. I'm not going to call you Leopold, because I'm way too cool for that. I'm going to call you Leo. Is that all right? And Leopold's like, sir, if you call me Leo, I will strike you with this riding crop. And yeah, I like it. I don't know what this guy's actual name is. It's probably Charlie or something, but we're going to yes. call him Doofy. Because that's his <laughs> that's that's the spirit that this character is giving off is doofiness. So Doofy and Leopold go to this party, and Leo Leo they stop outside and they look inside the this club, and Doofy's like, "Uh, you see that chick over there?" And Leo's like, "You mean that young woman who is delightfully elegant?" And uh, Doofy's like, "Yeah, whatever. Uh, I want to fuck her." And Leo's like, well, um, I think so. We have to woo this woman. And he's like, whatever, dude, let's go in. So he goes in. Leo woos the woman. And Doofy's like, let me do this cool story. And no one fucking likes this shitty story. And basically everyone likes Leo. No one likes Doofy because Doofy is Doofy. And you think 
basically Leo's taking this guy's girl, but then it's revealed actually that Leo's going to help him woo this woman. And then the best plot of this movie takes off. Am I right? How does, how does he help though? Cause he really just be like, Doofy, stop being a piece of shit. And Doofy's like <laughs> furiously scribbling it down. Like, Oh yeah, of course. It's so simple. <laughs> Wait, you tell me I shouldn't honk her tits? <laughs> Don't honk tits. Oh, thanks, Leo. You're the best. It is hilarious. Listen, what's this actor's name again? <laughs> Brecken Meyer. Um, yeah. It's hilarious listening to Brecken Meyer try to speak like 19th century poetic love lyrics. Because he's like, uh, doth my lady, uh, <laughs> your eyes are like windows into your soul. Uh, like it's Bill and Ted without the charm, and they just put that in a movie. We don't get they any, thought we wouldn't notice. Yeah, we don't get any closure on that. Does that relationship move forward at all, or do they go on the dates? I don't think it does. Do you need closure for that character? <laughs> well, it's a pivotal, pivotal moment of this movie, right? This is our C plot, I think. Yeah, we didn't. So we, we should the probably, Charlie plot. Yeah. Charlie plot. We should probably figure out how it ends. Yeah, we didn't get to see him hog or tits or at all. <laughs> what a disappointment. I know this is going backwards, but can we talk about how fucking annoying that dog was at the beginning? <laughs> uh, the the D plot. <laughs> the dog yeah, plot. Exactly. I'm going in alphabetical order, so yeah, it's fine. It was so annoying. Like, there was the dog in the apartment at the beginning. And it had no purpose except for being annoying in, like, the way that an actual dog in real life can just annoy a situation. Why? Someone it had to drive the plot forward. Yeah. It's the D-plot. Because the dog dragged the adventure guy into the elevator. Shaft. And, they, we, yes, and we had to show, but... we had to see how awful Meg Ryan is because she is in the apartment right below and the dog is barking until, like, 1 a.m. or something. And for some reason, she's in the apartment below and has the remote for the shock collar on the dog. And she's just like delightfully like pressing this thing and shocking, electrically shocking this dog until it shuts up. And Meg then she, Ryan is not likable. No, the best part was she socks the dog yeah. and then she's listening and waiting for Liv to take the shock collar off. When he's holding it, she shocks him. Yeah, she's awful. And yeah. she is delighted. She <laughs> loves it. Yeah, she loves it. This what is a person we should be cheering for. Throughout this movie, and then we have so, and we have, and we have several <laughs> scenes of this dog just barking and making a whole bunch of noise, and it's very you can't hear any of the dialogue. All for this payoff, like halfway through the movie, when Leopold tames the dog and causes it to calm down and chill out, and we're supposed to see yeah. he's so charming. It's just such lazy, just shows laziness in like the whole everything of the movie. Like it's pointless. How dare you? Mangold did his deep, deep research on this, <laughs> such as with when elevators were invented and when La Boheme was written. How to build sexual tension. Include dog barks. What? The best. The best. What is just happens like, to the dog after? He dies. It just disappears. The it's the deep dies. It goes down the shaft. The elevator shaft follows the yeah. owner. I just, I, the one plot about this that is just ridiculous and I love is that all the men around Meg Ryan want her to fuck Leopold to the point where it's like no human male would ever act like that. So the, the, the obvious weird one is Liv Schreiber who goes really far out of his way to make sure his ex-girlfriend fucks this his, time sh- his grandpa <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and her brother's like, uh, Leah, you want to fuck my sister? He was delighted. He loves the yeah. fact that this guy wants to fuck his sister. He's like, Oh, are you serious? Well, also, he thinks he's a method actor who is like yeah. in character. He doesn't even think he's a time traveler. There's nothing romantic about it. He's like, dude, you want to fuck my sister? That's awesome. Um, let me help you. Meg, fuck this guy, okay? I know I'm your brother and this might come off as weird, but like, just fuck the shit out of him, all right? Um, it was really romantic. It was really romantic. <laughs> well, the real... Even the boss, even the boss that like Leo tells off the boss is like, ah, yeah, you should totally fuck this guy. And she's like, well, I don't know. I feel like Meg is like pressured into this relationship by like everyone. <laughs> All the men in her life. <laughs> like, like her assistants, like you better accept this fucking apology or I'm going to quit. And you better fuck this guy and give up all of your life for him. Or I'll never talk to you again. And Meg's like, I don't know. This feels like a lot of pressure. Like, can I just, this, nothing's coming organically. Shut the fuck up, Meg. You're jump gonna off j- the bridge. You're going to jump off this yep. bridge and you're going to take this guy. <laughs> 
Okay. So it's a sta- actually it's clearly established that she hates rights. She hates her rights. She hates <laughs> making decisions for herself. She wants to be told what to do. And that's why it's perfect that she goes back to eighteen the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Because uh, that's what all women want. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anastasia, what's the opposite of a suffragette? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Meg Ryan in this movie. Ma- yeah, Meg Ryan in this movie, or like there's no word for such a thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that exists. Oppressed. <laughs> yeah, well, do you think Su- do you really think Susan B. Anthony would have done what she did? If some real hot piece of ass showed up, uh, I don't think so. All right. Can you imagine if Susan B. Anthony watched this film? <laughs> <laughs> no. She would probably be so like. I think that she would roll in her grave. I think she'd be confused about the elevators. She, uh, she wouldn't have cared at all about their voting rights. She'd be like, what's with these fucking elevators? Like, are they gone? But they remember them. I don't get it. And we would I did all so much work to get all of these voting rights. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to the voting rights in a bit. Okay, so let's let's speed this little love affair along. It doesn't fucking matter. So she's pissed at him <laughs> for having exposed her uh, sexual harassing a boss who they have to tone down because Harvey Weinstein's like, nah, he's not such a bad guy. Um, and um, Oh, and then she hires him because one one part of her job is to advertise shitty margarine. Yep. And the key plot is rich, creamery butter. So they need someone to say this, and they hire the fucking shittiest actors to say it. Like, the first actor is like, rich, creamery butter! And they're like, that, that, man, that man tests angry. And then they get another guy, and he's like, eh, rich, creamy butter. They're like, that man tests creepy. And they what get like one, what, what could we possibly do? And they hire like one normal guy. And of course, Leopold gets hired to advertise. Talk about butter very sexually. Talk about butter super sexually. Talking about creaming in his pants and butter. You'll feel this luxurious comfort in your mouth. Yeah, talks, he talks about creaming in people's mouths the whole time. Right in the waistline. And he talks about this waistline. This butter has good mouthfeel. <laughs> <laughs> he, he eats it and then opens his mouth for the camera and the camera zooms in on the cream. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so the funny part is, is like, this is building up to like, oh, this is like how they kind of bond and becomes like a big... Except he fucking quits and storms off set because <laughs> the margarine tastes like shit. And here's the point that I don't understand. Why did this boss promote her? Why? Was it guilt over all the sexual harassment over the years? Like to cover his ass or... That must be it, right? Because she's objectively bad at her job. Like to have your actor quit when you're actually filming a commercial would waste an incredible amount of money. Yeah. So she should have been punished. So I want an answer, Adam, and I want an answer now. (laughs) Every time. Why is she promoted? She just falls upwards. Some people are like this. That's it. Like, again, there's no redeeming quality behind Meg Ryan. She's not good at her job. She's not a good person. She's not a good sister in any way. Even if, like, her brother wants this commercial job and she's just, no. No. I know you're a starving actor, but no. I, I'm going to give this to Hugh Grant. Or no, Hugh Grant. That's the other rom-com. This- Charlie didn't get the job because of his shitty accent work. We left out the scene where he's in front of the TV being like, I could be a method actor too. And then he starts doing like super racist <laughs> accents. He goes through like all of them in a span of like 10 seconds. Way too fast. And this is like, so this scene when Hugh Jackman, like Hugh Jackman feels betrayed. And this is actually why I think he, another reason why I think he fits perfectly in the early 2000s because is there any attitude that is more appropriate for the 90s and early 2000s of like not selling out and sticking it to the man (laughs) and not like you know standing up for what you believe in he's perfect he fits right there and then that's the reason that he is pissed at meg ryan because he feels betrayed he feels like he's been used and she's this cad she's this serpent or whatever this is this is the reason he's mad and then he doesn't actually fall like he at, at, like his next action after this point is he jumps off the bridge and goes back to 18 the 1800s no they snuggle don't wasn't they? that before they that i think the... they've fallen in love before this when did he imply she was a whore it was during the dinner <laughs> it's great it's a, right? i was just gonna go there so so he doesn't call her a serpentine cad he calls his boss her boss that he calls her a fucking whore because she's trying to fuck her boss 
And this is where I still feel that she's pressured into getting together with him. Because, like, he has this long diatribe in front of her boss. We're like, well, my dear, you are basically a fucking whore, aren't you? And she's like, uh, what? Oh, my lord. <laughs> and then and then he writes this letter. And, like, she still remembers, you fucking called me a whore in front of my boss. But... <laughs> Everyone's like, you should just get back together with him. And then her dumbass brother's like, you should fucking, you should totally do it. And then, like, even her ex-boyfriend's like, I may, maybe trapped in a mental asylum, but you should definitely bone this guy. Oh my so I feel like Meg is just, like, pressured into this bad relationship. Like, They have no chemistry. They have no chemistry. She hasn't even started dating None. this guy, and he's already called her a whore. Like, red flags <laughs> all over the place. Mm-hmm. To not get into the re- this relationship, but everyone is pressuring her. And result, she jumps off the bridge and gets trapped in this nightmare <clears throat> relationship where she can't escape. She has no social support. Her family's gone. And she has no rights. She can't divorce. She can't vote. She can't go to the police. The police barely even exist. And everyone in the past probably also thinks she's a whore because of the 2001 dress she's wearing. Yeah, and she's, wearing, <laughs> and she's oh, yeah. wearing this 2001 dress with this weird hair. And everyone's like, she probably is a prostitute. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can see her slutty shoulders. It's so outrageous. Her dress is one layer. She's got no <laughs> undercoats or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a rom-com has to really convince me that two people can, like, fall in hard love that fast. Like, it is one of my pet peeves in rom-coms in general when the, like, relationship period is so short. And this one was, like, the worst of them all. The love at first sight. I like it better when there's, like, magic involved. You know, like, yeah. someone has, like, magic they put in their food. And then they, like, trick a person with magic. That's better. Like if there's a crab involved, perhaps. <laughs> Unless there's a crab involved. Maybe some crab love. A crab with a, crab with a hat. <laughs> okay, so, okay, let's explain how does she fall in love with him. Because we have the typical uh, rom-com arcs, like, oh, love at first sight. But then she gets pissed because he calls her a fucking whore in front of her boss. And then back in love. So how does how do we go from the bottom, calling you a whore in front of your boss, to jumping off a bridge? How do mm. we get there? Two words. I think British accent. No, that's it. No, British accent. The, <laughs> yeah, I think it's the photos. I think it's yeah. It, it's a four-step plan. Step one: write a letter yourself. Get a quill. Fucking write that shit out. Step two: hire a guy to play some music for a rooftop dinner. Step three: don't let her clean up. <laughs> Just don't do it. She's gonna pick up the place. So you'd be like, put that shit down. The help does that. Step four. Have a photo of her traveling back in time. That's it. That's all it takes. Make her think it's inevitable. There was one actual funny thing that you just reminded me of is when he broke open ballpoint pens to empty the ink out so he could write with a quill. <laughs> that, like he stole a decorative feather from her apartment somewhere. <laughs> that was actually Hold amazing. on, let me look up when ballpoint pens were invented. <laughs> okay. Can we reverse it? What like what's it about Meg Ryan that Hugh falls in love with like, why that, does he fall in love with her that's a good question too because at the beginning it also suggests that he's like the kind of man who never wants to get married why is marriage such a thing ah blah blah f- but like this modern like angry woman is is all it takes yeah and that so his problem in the at the beginning of the movie is that apparently he is broke or he needs so he's marrying for money essential he's going to be announcing his future wife which is played by Kristen Shaw by the way and he could be so lucky to be married to Kristen Shaw. But anyway, so that's and but it's played like, oh, she's he has to get married to this doofy like ogre of a person, apparently. Homely, yeah. Homely. <laughs> Anti-Meg Ryan. Just to, yeah. just for money to save his family because they're just so decrepitly broke. And at the end of the movie, he like snuffs her away and then says he's gonna marry Meg Ryan, who has nothing at this point. So his his problems are not solved at the end of this movie at all. He's- He's still got a rich uncle, right? Like his uncle will take care I, of him until his elevator idea. Until the, the elevator idea and gets off the ground. Booming. You mean the one the elevators that were invented twenty years ago? <laughs> so does like his family back where he's from not are they not rich? I don't I don't know. His uncle okay. is rich. Yeah. He's also very British. He's he conveys his Britishness just with his face. It's amazing. <laughs> Quite. This guy can just look, give a look, and you're like that's a British accent. It's, <laughs> he's that British. Uh, um, I want to. I just want to dwell very briefly, like on that handwritten apology note for calling her a whore. Like, 
I would love if we we didn't get to read all of it. Like it was just kind of like the spark notes of it, but it would have been funny if it was like a real half-assed man apology. Um, where it's like, Majida. I was wasted. <laughs> Majida, I'm so sorry for calling you a whore, but you got to kind of admit you were a little bit acting like it. And it's like, but it's written in elegant cursive. Oh, I didn't call you a whore. I said you were acting like a whore. Yeah, so it's like a half-assed apology. <laughs> that really apology. I'm sorry that you were offended by what I said. Yeah. My name. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. That you're still upset. Get over it. Sincerely, Duke Leopold. Do you want to talk about the weird scene when he, they go back yeah. into the uncle's house in 2001 and, like, he rips open the mantle and finds, like, his old treasures? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did he get in that house? Like, with. They just broke into that home? Yeah, what was the, what was the point of that scene? It was, it was like a historical preservation type thing. But then they have the party there. But there's, like, a kindergarten. Shit. Oh, yeah. What if he discovered when he pulled over the open the mantle and he found his little trinkets, he found like the key that he needed to finish inventing the elevator? And that's what he took <laughs> back to within the 1876. A drawing with colored pencil yeah. of an elevator. <laughs> also, was the the scene where she gets promoted, was that also taking place in that building? Yeah. And they yeah. never addressed the like unbelievable chance that like her promotion party is in Leopold's house. <laughs> right. They, it's just kind of like, yeah. they accept it as whatever. It's like, perhaps the only reason it's there is so she knows how to get to it in the past. Oh, that or they just couldn't afford another set location. <laughs> I like that too. Running out of money towards the end. Oh my God, how do we... <laughs> we spent so much on this fancy house set. Yeah, and we didn't mention it, but this had $40 million in budget, which is way more money than this fucking movie needed. Like, I mean, it's a lot of very famous people in it. Like, I even know. the side characters. Did they make money off this film? It, it turned a profit. Cost, yeah. cost $48 million, made 76 People love this movie. I guess. They, they were, were tricked. Confused. They were all tricked. Harvey Weinstein <laughs> did it again. <laughs> Another win. Everything always works out for Harvey Weinstein. We basically gave him like a one cent residual check by watching it the other day. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. Motherfucker. Yeah. Okay, where, where are we going? Where are we going now? I think the movie basically ends after that. <laughs> we're like, right? we've it's gone over. through the full movie. The movie's over. Yeah. She's back well, in time. She has no antibiotics. She gets cancer. She dies. The end. <laughs> They dance. No, she lives forever. She infects everybody in 1876 with fucking smallpox and SARS and that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at that point, they don't have antibiotics or anything. I looked this up when they were invented. It was, it was after 1870. <laughs> I think everyone should give a rating out of 10 for this movie. Well, no, hang on. We got we got to we got to get to the resolution. So, okay, so she's pissed. She, you think she's going to take this job? And like the Leopold's already back in time. He's going to marry this. Fugly chick who like I can't imagine like self-esteem issues when you get cast in these roles. It's like, okay, so you're a piece of shit and you're so hideous, <laughs> even though you're rich, like this guy doesn't want to fuck you. Um and they're like, okay, that's my role. And, and it's Hugh Jackman. And, and it's Hugh Jackman. He Hugh looks Jackman. he looks at you like you're garbage. You're literal human garbage. And they cast you for this role, and you're like, okay, great, I guess. I don't know. So the the, the decision ultimately comes down to the fact of inevitability like it's not even a love like plot it's like look at this yeah. picture you've already made this decision so you might as well just fucking go through with it and she's You're like trapped. I, I keep feeling pressured into this relationship like shut up just do it so she decides to jump off the bridge let's spitball exactly what she's giving up based on this one week relationship Adam go her, her voting rights her huge apartment her <laughs> That's it. new head honcho position where she's probably going to be making millions of Upon millions of dollars because she's taken over the New York branch. Yep. Family, her brother, parents, which we didn't even touch, uh, friendships. Does she have any? Why would anybody be yeah, friends with this she person? She liked her assistant. <laughs> you mean that person that she pays to talk to her? She was friends with? Oh, I, I don't know. Had a connection. We only know her know. for less than a week, so it's hard to. Well, that's enough time to give up your entire life, apparently. So, and like your whole <laughs> cultural identity, like to think about it, to go back into and live in the past, like you have to relearn how to like have conversations with people in daily life because your abrasive two thousand one ways will not fly. Sounds bad. So yeah, she gives up antibiotics. Yep. We mentioned that um, <laughs> microwaves, birth control, uh, television, birth control, the right to get a divorce. <laughs> 
and voting rights. She won't need those. It's fine. <laughs> it's Hugh Jackman. Yeah. He only called her a whore like before they started dating. I'm sure this relationship will last <laughs> perfectly and forever. The next time I'll probably just call her a slut. Hey, look. <laughs> also, when she jumps off the bridge, the her ex-boyfriend inventor and brother are standing there as cops approach. Like, so it seems as if they sort of encourage her to commit suicide. And like, what's their fate? <laughs> They go to jail. <laughs> jail. Yeah. yeah, that is assisted suicide in some sort of fashion, I suppose. Accomplices, co-conspirators. One goes to jail. The other goes back to the mental asylum <laughs> where the cops just drag him back, kicking and screaming, going, no, time travel's real. She's alive, you fools. <laughs> did, did Meg Ryan ever, did anyone go and visit Liev Schreiber in the hospital when he no. like, broke his <laughs> leg and arm? Like, so like, why does he care about her at the end? She didn't even like go and try to get him out of the mental asylum. People are very committed to making sure Leopold fucks Meg because it's like, (laughs) like everyone in her life is like, do it. Just do it. I don't know. I I feel kind of pressured. Just fuck him. Just fuck him. He's got an accent. (laughs) Well, to be fair, like this is the extent to that they that they ignored Liv Schreiber was I thought he was dead for like. 10 minutes, minutes. maybe 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, they just killed him. Okay. Which actually would have probably worked better in this plot if they're just like, yeah, he's fucking dead. He's gone. Died, fell down the elevator shaft, dead. We didn't need him. We didn't need him. But if he dies, she'll never get the picture. Yeah, well. She'll never go back. She could. They could have just like Doofy found finds it in like Liv's the late Liv Schreiber's uh, <laughs> affairs as he's sorting it out, sorting out yeah. his estate. He takes over the, that apartment. Yeah, just you just start squatting <laughs> in it through the window. All right, I think we've said as much as we can possibly say about Kate and Leopold. So, Dave, I think you wanted to do a, a, a rating. I think everyone should give a rating of this film. Okay, Dave, why don't you start then? I give it a three out of ten. All right, great. Anastasia? Am I giving it a rating like as if I were watching it in 2001? Or am I giving it a rating and Harvey Weinstein is still like a cool guy? Or am I giving it a rating as of today? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Why don't you give it a rating like Harvey Weinstein's a cool guy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, probably it would be like a six. Okay. Like at the time. At the time, it might have been a six. Okay. And now? Oh, fuck, it was terrible. I would give it, like, a two just because of the out-of-touch, like, gendered issues and also, like, racism (laughs) from the accents. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Doofy was pretty racist throughout this whole thing. Okay. (laughs) Tom, rate this movie. I give it... uh, I think it's... I gotta go with, like, two lords out of a possible ten ladies. (laughs) It just didn't do it for me. Like, competently shot and put together... But it's the worst kind of bad movie. It's not fun to poke at. It's not fun to watch. You're just bored throughout the whole thing. Yeah, they did have a good cast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Like, they did have a lot of popular people. Oh, yeah. Which was important, Breck I and Meyer, like, like, he's He's very popular. People like Breckenmire. Well, Put he, him in at, as the... At that time. Yeah, that's true. At, the at time. that time, he was in a lot of stuff. Like, he started in Clueless and, like, mid 90s and then like rat race and stuff so he was always like some secondary actor i feel like in random shit right yeah and he, he felt like a secondary actor in this <laughs> shit that's for sure that's what he does best you want to fuck my yeah. sister that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> all right adam without defending uh harvey weinstein's crimes what would you rate this <laughs> i'm going with a two as well this, okay. this movie did nothing for me. It was not charming. I couldn't even imagine being in like 2001 and this being like a first date. Just like, listen up, lady. You're really going to enjoy this movie and sitting through two hours of this. There's no charm. There's nothing. There's time travel, though. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> Ostensibly. And Matt, Matt, what are you going to give it? All right. So I, I am going to give Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is like a nine or a 10 out of 10 on this thing. He's the only thing that is saving this movie. He's so charming. But the rest of the movie is garbage, so I think an average of about a 5 out of 10 is an appropriate score for this thing. That's kind. Yeah, that's an awfully, like, favorable review of this thing. But basically, I would—you know what they should have done? is They should have just made this whole thing just a buddy— Fish out of water story of Leopold and Liv Schreiber. Just I, I would watch like yes. an hour and a half of them. <laughs> it yeah. made no sense that they got Liv Schreiber out of this movie. Yeah. It it was such wasted 
Dallin. Yeah. Like he should have been the one that he was giving mm-hmm. advice to. I like this movie better when it was Encino Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too, goddammit. <laughs> okay. Steph, what do you rate this movie out of 10? Um, if I had watched it when it came out as a 10-year-old, I probably would have given it a five at that time because it is that under the average yeah. of a rom-com that I would have enjoyed as a 10-year-old. And nowadays, I give it a three. Because it does like proceed kind of like it's supposed to. It's just bad. And I give it a 10 out of 10. I think the time travel was perfect <laughs> and the elevator plot was brilliant. So. Okay, <laughs> So I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you all for listening to Grand House Courthouse. We want to thank our two guests, Stephanie and Anastasia, for joining us, giving us a woman's perspective on this. Happy to help. Which clarified (laughs) everything that, in fact, you're not supposed to call your dates whores in front of their bosses, which I never knew. Did you guys know that? No, I learned so much from this movie. Like, you can't just go straight from zero to hunk and tits. God, I've been doing it so wrong. All right, that does it for Grand House Courthouse. Join us next time for another awesome movie. Hugh Jackman is an inventor. Well, he also has this magical ability of being a man. They're just tips frosted. They're so frosted. He's talking about his time at the Louvre. Oh, I didn't call you a whore. I said you were acting like a whore. Yeah. Oh, my lord. I've got something that's going to blow this whole movie wide open. Incest. It's back. If you want to bang your sister, South Korea is where you need to be, apparently. You'll feel this luxurious comfort in your mouth. They could put anything in there. Hey, I'm into this. Are they ever wet, though? How does this relate to pretzels? This butter has good mouthfeel. Rich, creamy, butter! Meg Ryan is not likable. Ladies and gentlemen, we are past cute Meg Ryan. Yeah, she's awful. The sides of her upper lips are puffy. I'm amazed there wasn't a bullet time sequence in this movie. That's how much she looked like Morpheus. Because she's objectively bad at her job. She didn't even fuck her boss. I was totally going to sleep with my boss and get that promotion, and you ruined everything. Just fuck him. Just fuck him. He's got an accent. My good sir. It's clearly established that she hates rights. Anastasia, what's the opposite of a suffragette? Can you imagine if Susan B. Anthony watched this film? Women. See? No! Time travel's real! She's alive, you fools! Dave, time is a pretzel, okay? Fucking pretzel. That is stupid, yeah. (laughs) No, don't ruin it for me! I love Kate Leopold! Why? Why? It's pointless. I like this movie better when it was Encino Man. Me too! Me too, goddammit! Which, remember, this is a Weinstein production. Wrap it up, we're done here. I'll be seeing myself out.